for me, when I interview people, I always ask, how are you pushing yourself? What are you doing to make yourself uncomfortable to get better in something else? You're listening to Todd Nisloni, a great friend of the podcast, and he is back from episode one, which was over a year ago. Todd is going to share about his new professional ventures, tips and tricks to the administrative interview process, and give us a surprise announcement. Also, make sure you check out the end of the episode. Todd is providing the show with a book to give away to one lucky listener. So stay tuned for details on how to enter and win. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Todd Nisloni is an incredible author, two-time TED speaker, podcaster, keynote presenter, co-founder of Kids Deserve It, and former elementary principal, which we will discuss shortly. Todd, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, I am thrilled to be here, man. I can't wait to talk tonight. And you were my first guest ever. It's been one year and a couple months. Thank you so much for joining us again. And I wanted to kind of jump right in. I know you were an elementary principal and now you have a new role. And would you just share that with the listeners? Well, it's weird to not be an elementary principal anymore. I mean, I'm still getting used to that. Even when I go around speaking and stuff, I'm like, wait, I'm not at my school anymore, but because I'm still talking to my teachers all the time. But now I am the Director of Culture and Strategic Leadership for TEPSA, which is the Texas Elementary Principals and Supervisors Association. So now I will get to work with schools and principals across the state of Texas, as well as continuing to travel and present as well. But I'll be doing a lot of stuff with my state elementary organization and getting to grow that membership, meet new people, share stories, just do all kinds of awesome stuff, kind of all my strengths in one job. So that's super exciting, but still kind of tough at the same time, having to say goodbye to my school family. But the the future is, it was too exciting to pass up. Oh, most definitely. So for being an elementary principal for so long, what is the biggest area that you're going to miss? Oh, definitely the daily interaction with kids and teachers. I'm not introvert and extrovert, so I can turn it on, but I like my me time. But just those hugs from kids, those building connections. But, you know, I still may, I'm going to make it a point to get involved consistently in a couple of schools in my local area. And then I told my former staff that, you know, I'll still Skype in and Google Hangout and read to the classes and say hello to the kids. Like, I don't want to just act like those relationships never existed. So that's really important to me is to still find ways to have my hands in the work with kids and teachers. And I know you've just been doing the conferences for Get Your Teach On, and I know that was very successful, but you have a new venture coming out and it's Get Your Lead On conference. Will you just tell us a little bit about those? Yeah, so I have been a part of the Get Your Teach On team for a little over a year now. I just had my one year anniversary um, and just a fantastic conference. I absolutely love it. Um, And for the last year, I've been doing at the conference a half-day session called Get Your Lead On with my buddy Adam DeVico, a principal out of North Carolina. And we've just been doing a little half-day, couple-hour session with leaders who come to the Get Your Teach On conference to kind of give them strategies and ideas and and build some excitement back into them and pour into them. Well, it's been so successful that we got the green light 
great from Get Your Teach On to take that little session and increase it to a full day and have a standalone conference still sponsored by Get Your Teach On, still under the Get Your Teach On umbrella. Adam and I will still be at all of the Get Your Teach On regional and national events and still be doing a little mini Get Your Lead On there. But we are debuting a full day, intensive, hands-on, but full of energy fun. We got special surprises. We got special guests. Um, and our first one is going to be September 27th in Austin, Texas, my backyard. And I am beyond excited to take this on with Adam. Oh, I can't wait. It's in my backyard too, so I have to go. Oh, you better be there. That's all I gotta say. Now that this is on on audio, you better not edit this out, Josh. Now, now you gotta be there. I hope my principal's listening. <laughs> all right. So as you know, the show is centered on leadership development, and you know I love talking about your own journey, and then also about experiences that you've had. So um, looking back, was there a moment that was maybe the most challenging or impactful experiences that you had that created the most growth? Wow, you know, that's a that's a that's a deep question because I can think of different ways that I have grown as a leader because of different happenstances. I think of, you know, in my kids deserve it TED talk, TEDx talk, I talked about how, you know, we tried to do this watchdog kickoff and it was a utter failure, like epic proportions, and we just took that failure to learn and grow from it and from that came our dinner with a gentleman that was probably one of the most successful things I did as a school principal and getting men and families involved in what we were trying to do at the school. Um, I can think of countless examples of heartbreaking stories that I learned about my students or what the families were going through. And you know, as a teacher, you have that smaller group of students that you're connecting with and you learn some stuff. But as a principal, when the whole school's under you and you really learn about all of the things that our kids are going through, oh, that'll break you and build empathy in you and help you really understand how to dive to the heart of what's going on in these kids' lives. I mean, I could think of countless examples of parents who came up incredibly frustrated with me, and sometimes I needed to apologize because I did make the wrong call, and sometimes I did not make the wrong call and had to figure out how to make that conversation end up on a good note with that parent. So yeah, there's been all kinds of things. Obviously, you have an incredible pulse on the future of education because you're traveling all over the country and all over the world, really, and speaking. So in that experience, what do you believe is the largest barrier to the success of leaders? Wow, I think there are still too many of us living in silos. I think that, you know, through the popularity of social media, we've had more people than ever join social media, but I still think there is that veneer over it that keeps some of us, a lot of us, from connecting on a deeper level because we begin to feel inadequate because we see what's shared or we begin to feel like we can't reach out to somebody because of their following size or what they share online. And for me, as I connect more with and more with more leaders, and I think about my own walk as a leader, I think that we still try to do too much on our own. And you know, that principal job, the hardest thing to wrap your head around with that is that, you know, it's hard being a teacher and being in the front lines. It's hard being an assistant principal, but when you become a principal or superintendent, your circle of trust that you can share those difficult moments with 
is tiny, minuscule. And, you know, yes, I lean on my family and they listen and they support me. But you need people who are going through what you're going through, too, to may remind you that you're not alone, to pour back into you when you feel like you don't have anything left. And if you're wondering if you're meant for this anymore. And I think that, you know, my own walk, that's the only reason I survived as a school principal is because I had guys that poured into me like you and, and uh, a couple others who just were my sounding boards, my places to tell me you're not crazy or you're acting crazy. Get it together. I mean, I needed both of those. And so if I were to have been in my district and not had that network, I wouldn't have lasted more than two years, max three. Um, and I don't understand how people can not get burnt out trying to walk that path on their own. So I, mean, I think that's one of the biggest things standing in the way of leaders is, is just that fear of connecting because of those feelings of inadequacy, because of what you see shared online. And so that is kind of a common theme with a lot of my guests is talking about once you become a principal, it kind of becomes a very lonely position to be in. And so if you are in a silo and maybe an administrator here is listening, what are some steps that they can take to kind of get connected and to get that support system? Well, I mean, if you're not already active on social media in ways of connecting with other leaders, that to me is, is the number one place. Even when I go to trainings or conferences, when I meet people that I hit it off with and I see there's some like-mindedness or I like the way they challenge me or push me, my first question is, are you on social media? Like, can I connect with you? Can we stay in touch that way? Um, and, and just keeping those lines open constantly when i need help i will reach out online and say who has this can somebody help me here can i connect with this person so i mean it's just it's just taking that step and putting yourself out there so obviously with this podcast i'm trying to grow future leaders or help leaders become something greater than they are currently and obviously you're trying to do the same thing within your own field and then also in your conference that you're about to put on so how do you grow future leaders well, you know, the first thing I say, if there's somebody listening who is planning on being a leader, I join your state organization because every state organization has an aspiring leader opportunity to join in. I mean, even when I think of TEPSA that I'm now a part of, you don't have to be a principal or an assistant principal or somebody in central office to join. They have an insp- aspiring leaders section where it's way cheaper But that's great to start building your knowledge base and connecting with other leaders through whatever your local organization is. But I would also say find great books to read and push you. Ask on your campus for leadership opportunities. Is there something I can take on? Is there something I can be a part of? Can I just be in the room during the planning process so that I can get that experience? Even if I'm not the one in charge of it, I want to be a part of the conversation or just take that conversation in. Don't sit and wait for things to come to you. Don't think that you can be a teacher. You can go and get your degree and boom, now you've got a assistant principal job. It's like, no, you want to be growing yourself. So because for me, when I interview people, I always ask, how are you pushing yourself? What are you doing to make yourself uncomfortable to get better in something else? Because if you're always comfortable, you're, you're not going to be growing at all. And why would I want you always being comfortable? I don't want somebody like that working with me. So let's talk about that a little bit because that's a topic I've wanted to dive into with other guests before and I just haven't had the opportunity. But you know, when you're sitting at that table and you're trying to find a leader that's going to be in battle with you every single day, who you're going to be collaborating with, what are some questions that you ask or what are you looking for in a candidate? 
there's some similarities I look for in a teacher and a leadership candidate and some that I look that are separate from in those two categories. I mean, I like to ask a couple questions out there that are a little bit outside the norm that will make them have to stop and think. I love to always ask all the candidates, what's the biggest adventure you've ever been on? I want to see how they interpret that. I want to see how they've taken risks in their own lives by whatever adventure they decide to share. I love asking, what are you going to bring that will make my team better? Because I want to know already that they have a little bit of confidence that they can bring something that will push us to be better. I love asking them, if you were to write a book about your life or your career so far, what would you title your book and why? That tends to be one that stumps people often going, (laughs) oh, I don't know what I'd call that. But I'd like to see kind of where their creativity lies, how they interpret their experiences they've been through by by the title and um, description they select. I always have said, I can teach somebody how to do the work. I can't teach somebody how to love kids and love people. And so when I'm doing an interview, I want to ask questions that are going to make me try to figure out if you truly love kids and love people, regardless of where they come from, regardless of how much they're going to push you. um, I want to know because I can't teach you how to love a kid. I can't teach you how to love your coworkers. I can teach you the content. I can teach you leadership skills all day long. And so for me, that's the biggest thing in looking for. and, And I want to see somebody who is actively looking to grow. So frustrating to me that so often when I ask people how they're growing themselves, how they're pushing themselves, they will just mention a PD book. And you know what? That's a great start. But if that's the only way you're growing yourself, mm-hmm. I'm not interested in that. Like I'm interested in above and beyond different. I want you to say, you know what? I struggle with this and I've been growing in this by doing A, B, C. I tried this, but it totally bombed. And so I had to move it over and do this instead. Like I want that honesty. I want that go at it attitude because I want people who are going to pick up the slack without having to be asked all the time to pick up the slack. No, I think you bring up a good point because when I'm interviewing candidates, I'm always looking for what they have done instead of what they're going to do. So I think that's a perfect point in regards to you know, when someone's sitting down, they're not just talking about, oh yeah, I would do this, but they're actually providing some type of evidence that they've actually gone out beyond their comfort zone and really dove into leadership aspects. Is that something exactly. that you're also looking for? Yeah, totally. And it doesn't have to be even successful leadership aspects. I mean, I, I want to know that you're working at it, whether that was you share with me what didn't work, but not in a way like when I say this, I don't want it to be shared like in a negative way. Like, oh, this just never worked. Oh, da, da, da. I'm like, okay, I don't need somebody who's going to be negative and complaining. I already have enough negative people around me complaining. I got to have people who are going to be problem solvers. All right, I'm going to change subjects. Since you are the tech ninja himself, I want to dive into technology. Lord, okay. <laughs> so obviously there's a lot of people with very strong opinions about technology. So what do you believe is the relationship between technology and the school? So technology is here to stay. So if you're not on the technology train, 
it's going to leave you behind and I don't want to be part of that group that gets left behind because I refuse to adapt. Now in saying that, I've always said technology is not the game changer, the educator in the room is. And so I do not believe that technology has to be a part of every single thing that we do in the classroom, but I do believe we need to be introducing our kids to technology tools designed to have them create and deepen their learning. Even when we don't understand, we can learn and grow with the kids, but we can't put our head in the sand or say it's too hard to learn or anything like that. You know, a line that I say all the time in all my presentations is, how dare we ask our kids to come into school every day and learn if we are not choosing to learn ourselves. And that means finding that to tech tools that we don't understand and pushing ourselves and, and Googling how to do it and getting a group of kids to learn with us. But no, I, I'm a firm believer in tech. I've got best friends who still keep a paper calendar. Guess what? That works great for them. Awesome. They don't have to move to digital everything. But I do believe we need to be trying out tech tools to see what works best for us to make things easier. So on your campus, what did you do to increase the effective use of technology in the classroom? Oh, that's a good question. You know, we were a struggling campus. And so I think that technology was not as big of a focus in my brain as it could have been because I was looking so much as a general instruction as a whole and trying to deepen that and make that better. But I always told my teachers, you know, when we have all these tools at our disposal, I don't ever want us to have devices and have them only be a station for kids to get on a program with, like iStation or, or, or math or whatever. I want them to be creating, not just consuming. Mm -hmm. And so if all we're doing is consuming information from a device, we're wasting thousands of dollars. Just print the worksheets off then. It's the same thing. What do you think is the largest hurdle that you had to overcome to implement your technology goals with your teachers? I think the biggest hurdle is, is getting teachers to not be afraid, afraid of using that tech even when they don't want to, when they don't understand it. I mean, some people are so scared of looking ignorant in front of their students, and I think it builds even better relationships when kids can see that you're human and that you don't have all the answers, and it allows them to feel more freedom to take risks as well. But I think just that, that fear of using technology, but also at the same time, our teachers have so much on their plate. And if all we are doing is adding technology to their plate without taking anything off the plate, then they're never going to use technology well. Because our teachers, God, what they are asked to do on a daily basis in, in schools across the country just blows my mind how little they get paid for the amount of work that they're asked to do. And then it, the lawmakers or principals sometimes just keep throwing in more and more and more at them, but not ever taking anything away. Mm-hmm. Well, I know you did some amazing things on your campus and your teachers did too. So how did you encourage that creative thinking to kind of promote technology and just doing some really, really amazing lessons within your organization? I think for me, you know, I did a lot of that when I was in the classroom. So I shared my stories with them. But even as the school principal, I was pushing myself. I was trying new tools. I was saying, if you don't understand how to use this, I'll come in and use it with you, with the kids. We'll both teach the class how to do it. I was always sharing my successes with uses of new ideas and tools, but also sharing my struggles and failures with my team so that they would feel more comfortable in taking those risks as well. They didn't always pay off, but there was a lot more risk-taking involved because my team knew that I was not going to come down with the hammer because they tried something new and it didn't work. The only time I had an issue is when you're trying something new, and you keep doing the same thing over and over again, and it keeps not working, that's just the definition of insanity. Yes, that's so true. And I'm going to change the topic real quick. Um, I'm super excited about the announcement of us 
writing a blog post together called Grace When We Fall. And the post is really about students who are faced with trauma and how we don't really know about their backgrounds and just how our mindset needs to change and the strategies moving forward with our students. So we just give us a quick synopsis of the post and some additional thoughts. One of the biggest issues facing our schools right now is mental health and really understanding how to deal with that. I think we, so many of us grew up within an education society of you have a detention, when you act up, you get a paddle, you get a phone call home, and we all remember from our childhoods those kind of things happening, and then it fixed the problem. Well, when you look at schools now and you truly get involved in what is happening at schools, the things that our kids are dealing with and the mental health issues that are rampant in our schools are unlike anything I've ever seen. And I think more so than ever before, we are ill-equipped to deal with that. We are ill-equipped in the classroom. We are ill-equipped as a campus. We are ill-equipped as a district. There are not enough mental health professionals in the field helping schools understand and how to deal with this. Um, and I think, you know, you've got kids who come with these huge hurts and pains and different things they've been through and some things they can't control mentally, emotionally, or physically. And we have so many people still trying to handle it the way it's always been handled. Mm -hmm. And the truth is you can't, it doesn't work like that anymore. Um, and regardless of how you feel about the changes, that doesn't matter. The kids here are here and they're here now and their hurts and pains and deficiencies are here now. So I'm not going to let an excuse stand in the way. I want to figure out how do we get to the root of these problems and how do we educate ourselves as adults on a better way to deal with our students to help them move forward and learn how to exist within their own hurt and emotions and, and things they've been through. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. And obviously, you know, that's a huge passion of mine and something that yeah. I've been working on with multiple campuses. And I think the main thing is making sure that my teachers always are the window, not the mirror. So yep. not taking on the behaviors of the student and replicating those, but to really look at de-escalating the situation. Exactly. So just looking back, what is one initiative you implemented on your campus or at your district that you were extremely proud of? I know there's a lot to choose from. Well, you know, I think my dinner with a gentleman and and then that branching into tea with a lady, I think that is something that had never been seen in my district community before. And I'm so proud to see those men and women who showed up for their kids for no other reason than to spend time with them. I love that. Um, I love the work we did in our community cookouts and just getting out there and loving on our families and our community members and our kids and just getting to serve them with no ulterior motives. Um, you know, I, I, I always say this. I think of our jobs as educators a lot like mission work. You know, missionaries don't sit in church and beg you to come to them. They go out to you. And I think too often as educators, we sit in our schools and beg people to come to our events at our time and our location. And we don't spend enough time going to them. And so with me having that servant background and that ministry background, I think it, it just those are the things I'm most proud of in ways that we were able to get out there and serve and connect with families. And don't you think the role of school has changed in that way? Oh, completely. And you know, and it's just, again, just like with teacher's plates, it's, it's one more thing on the plate of schools that we got to figure out how to deal with because there's just so many things that we have to now prepare our kids for and bring the families in on. And it's just so much more than just teaching content. Mm -hmm. 
For those who are starting their leadership journey, I always like to ask my guests, what advice do you have for them? See and experience as much as you can. Ask to go to other campuses to see what they're doing. Reach out to other principals to shadow them for an hour a day. You you don't want to be stuck on the experiences of one campus. Um, you really want to get out there and broaden your horizons. And when the door closes and you're told no, don't let that set you back where you quit seeking those doors because you're going to find out that when you knock on just the right one, it's the one that you are meant to be at, even when all the other ones felt like the one. That one door that opens that you step through to go seek out some of that leadership practice or that job with, that's the one you were meant to have. And don't lose sight of that hope when it seems like nothing is opening up for you. So I know you're a busy guy and you've got your hands in a lot of different things. Do you have any projects going on right now? Lord, do I have any? Well, that Get Your Lead On (laughs) is going on. You know, we're trying to, Adam DeVigo and I are trying to make sure we do that and do it right. We really want to make it such a special and unique opportunity. With my new job with TEPSA, I'm going to be doing lots of stuff with them um, and really growing the membership and, and doing some really cool things with my state principal organization. And I'll be doing some work with Scholastic as well. Um, and I might, might exclusive here just be starting another book. Nice. Not going to share anything other than that, but I might (laughs) be starting another book. That's awesome. Well, and for those who are listening and and I hope they know at least kids deserve it, but what are some other books that they can find of yours? So my second book was Stories from Web. That is the book I am most proud of. It is my heart on the page. I wrote that with my web family at my school. Um, Every chapter is written by me, but it features inserts from other uh, staff members, from the custodian to the secretary to the instructional aides to the teachers, counselor, nurse, everyone. Love that book. Um, I think it speaks to the heart of every human, educator or not. Um, and then my third book was Sparks in the Dark, written with my buddy Travis Crowder. Um, and that one is all about learning how to build a culture of reading and writing within adults, kids, and schools, whether that's elementary or secondary. We provide a lot of ideas for both. And then my new book will be all about leadership, building leadership within the people you work with, but also growing student leaders. There'll be a big focus on the book of growing student leaders as well. So, And that'll be co-written with a friend of mine to be future announced. And so in closing, what is the most enjoyable aspect of leadership? There's some things that you spearhead that when they land, it was just a home run. And when you hit it right on the head, the nail right on the head, when you hit that home run and you know lives were changed because of something you were a part of, to me that's the best part. Because a lot of times in education, we change lives. We don't see those effects for many years to come. But when you can do something that right there in that moment, you watched a life be changed, that's, that's why I stay in it. So how can our listeners connect with you on social media? Yes, yeah, so uh, my name is Todd Nesloni. You can Google Todd Nesloni, and the first couple ones are all my social media accounts, but I'm on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, um, Facebook. I've got all kinds of stuff, so definitely connect with me anywhere that you feel most comfortable because I'd love to have conversations, get involved, and help out however I can. And if you're in Texas and an administrator or aspiring administrator, pre-K through eighth grade, join TEPSA because then we'll get to connect there too. All right, so let's talk about the book giveaway. To enter, go to joshstamper.com and sign up for the Aspire newsletter. We will be choosing our winner from those who sign up on the list. 
The winner will be announced Friday, July 19th, 2019 at 7 p.m. Central Time. The winner will be able to choose one of Todd's three books, either Kids Deserve It, Stories From Web, or Sparks in the Dark. So make sure you go to joshstamper.com to sign up. Please continue to check out the Aspire podcast. And if you've gotten any value from the show at all, please subscribe and leave it a rating and review wherever you're listening. Don't forget to use the Aspire Lead hashtag as you continue the conversation on social media. Todd, thank you so much for being on the program. Thank you for having me, Josh. Always a pleasure to sit and talk.